Well, I, I, I guess I should be pleased. Well, I am pleased. Maestro survived the mosh pit. <laughs> I did. Survived the mosh pit. I did. And, and how old are you? Uh, 35. 35 and you're in the mosh pit. Yeah, well, I didn't actually get in the mosh pit, but it happened like right next to me a couple so times. So you were in the same zip code as the mosh pit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, maybe I would do that, too. We just I'm backed up a little. Not getting in the mosh pit, no doubt about that. The carpro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. We are streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. And yes, something out there is blooming. And yes, I am sucking on a cough drop. Normally, you don't get that level of transparency and disclosure, but I try to bring it to you. <laughs> every every now and again, go ahead, uh, kill that so I don't hear my own echo. I can't even stand to hear my own self, much less my echo. <clears throat> every once in a while, the globalists will tell you the truth, and they didn't mean to. And they don't do that because they're dumb. Because they are dumb. They do it because they exist in an echo chamber. And they begin to forget just how crazy they actually sound to a normal person. Like the World Economic Forum. Just a bunch of giddy idiots together. <laughs> we have no idea how insane their plans for global domination sound to, you know, the rest of the world. Um and, you know, the, their psychopathic members are very eager, universally eager to depopulate the planet, cage the rest of us, drip, drip feed us with a cocktail of drugs, bugs, and propaganda. Ordinary, ordinary people look at Klaus Schwab and they see Dr. Evil. The WEFers see Kami Klaus as a shiny-headed globalist god. And while the Davos devotees yearn for a new world order, the rest of us are thinking about how to end their madness before it abruptly ends us. Although, I don't even think it ever comes about. <laughs> okay, on the text line, listen, I, I think all three of us addressed this at one point, so I'm going to address it one more time. And I really wish, please write this down, okay? Odyssey is still being run by Odyssey. Odyssey is still being run by Odyssey. Getting out here and worrying about who bought debt. You know. It's not nearly as deep and sinister as you may think. Now, of course, I don't I, I don't hang out with George Soros and I don't uh, he doesn't make me privy to all of his plans and everything else, but George Soros is going away shortly. And this was bought all of this debt was bought by a bunch of guys that run hedge funds that manage 401ks. It's all part of somebody's retirement portfolio. Some of you probably have some things in your 401k that you don't know about that probably has Soros' fingerprints on it. Because that's what billionaires do. They go out and they spread money and they make money. So, if this is a big distraction for you, um, I don't know what to tell you. It's not a distraction for me. 
I'm not going to be sitting around here not, you know, if, I, if I've got something to say about Soros, I'll just say it. I have three radio shows. They can't, I, I cannot be deplatformed. Three radio shows. Uh, Straight Talk goes out as a, as a podcast. So I got three, th- three radio shows and three podcasts. You think anybody's stopping me? Nobody's stopping me. <laughs> so, yeah, we've mentioned it in, on the air, and it's, it's not that big of a thing. Back to the WEF, the real interesting stuff. There was a time when we would look at Europe and see their eccentric cult behavior, and we'd just go, well, a bunch of, what a bunch of idiots. And now we're beginning to understand that, um, you know, this part of uh, this is part of this whole NATO thing. You know, we're, we're we're paying for a lot of this eccentric nonsense. Paying for it now. Ever since Obama's election, they've tried to bulldoze America and the ideal and rebuild on its rubble a compliant nexus point for the coercive Borg that the WEF would run. We've got a bunch of unaccountable bureaucrats and politicians in Washington who don't even pretend to respect the will of the voters anymore. Which, uh, hey. (laughs) (sighs) Strong majorities of America said, close and secure the border. Stop spending money that you do not have. And widespread warrantless surveillance. Stop censoring. But when was the last time that we had a politician that stood up and just tried to unify us. Last time I remember being unified was uh, 9-11. The moment a large coalition of Americans come together and tackle one common obstacle, that's the day that the small ruling class gets tossed to the curb. And this is why with D.C., Scariest thing about Trump is that his policies make sense to a di- amazingly diverse cross-section of American people. And in his wake, they just pour salt on old racial wounds. That's becoming less and less effective. So now this is all shifted. It's all shifted. Uh, now we're hearing about the scourge of Christian nationalism. The attempt to use religious discrimination as a new wedge to divide us. Because every time they open their faces, it's to divide us. And what they're trying to say, what they're really saying is through the use of this Christian dog whistle, is that people who believe in personal freedom, the Bill of Rights, and the Bible are somehow a white supremacist Nazi. That's pretty hard to sell when the World Economic Forum is the biggest Nazi group operating around today. In Germany... Far-left Interior Minister Nancy Faser goose-stepped to the nearest microphone and announced that voters who criticize the German government or donate to unapproved political parties will be treated as potential criminals. Oh, my democracy! Isn't it just so good? Like Cruella de Vil. She's out there saying, those who mock the state must be dealt with by a strong state. So, in Germany, you must not laugh at people who are destroying your country with green energy. Induced inflation and open border immigration policies. But because you might get in trouble. 
whenever they get out there and start doing this stuff, this is the part that amuses me the most because it always slips true. The best fiction is always based on fact. This always reminds me of uh, Animal House when John Belushi's out there going, Oh, Bluto, we don't want to go with you because we might get in trouble. And you remember what Bluto says. Can't say it. You can just, well, he says, you can just kiss my fifth point of contact from now on. Because I'm not standing for it. And that's, you know, long live John Belushi. Long live Bluto. Death is a better, milder fate than tyranny to me. Aesop observed that it is better to starve free than to be a fat slave. French philosopher Albert Camus exhorted listeners to understand that freedom is not a gift received from a state or a leader, but a possession to be won every day by the effort of each and union of all. So what we should be doing, what we should be doing, is one, we should be laughing at the state. We should be laughing at the state because they are to be ridiculed. They are to be mocked. And history does predicate the future. So we have the weight of history behind everything we do. You can grab hold of the jackboot monster and, and uh, over time, if enough people rise up to grab that monster, it comes down. And it comes down with the weight of history, the weight of freedom. We know a little bit more about Second and Charles. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Well, I, I was telling you the saga of the caliber wars that I was in the middle of after, I, you know, the whole Second and Charles thing. Now we know more. The carpro.com talk line is... One eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven, and we're streaming live on the W O R D Facebook page. So uh, we know who it was: thirty-year-old Tyler Anthony Burris. My understanding is that this was a uh, you know big, big young man, big young man. Um, and uh, I, I got to say this. I would love to know whether it was the sheriff's department or the city police. Um, whoever rolled up on him, you guys exercised enormous restraint. Let me tell you, you did. You exercised enormous restraint. They roll up on this guy. He's got an eight-inch piece of glass. That's what he stabbed everybody with, was an eight-inch piece of glass. First officer rolls up. Guy says, hey, I've got a knife and I need help. Obviously. So... He also told the police officer, who apparently drew his, his uh, stun gun, his taser, that the taser would not affect him. And then he began to swing his hands like he was shadow boxing, right? Then another officer arrived, and then Mr. Burr started making his way towards him. They tried to tell him that if he would drop whatever was in his hand, they would help him. But he kept coming closer. He didn't drop it. So they, 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 they tased him. And just like Mr. Burris said, the taser was ineffective. Although Mr. Burris did fall down and he got up and started running and he jumped on a minivan. And then the officers jumped on him on the minivan. I can only imagine who was driving the minivan. 
probably some nice lady just driving around going, well, I've got my guitar picks and everything at Dollar General, so let's go down here and buy some. What? What were you doing? What? You know, that kind of thing. When they jumped on him, uh, Mr. Burris decided to resist arrest, and he started to swing his piece of broken glass. And uh, he was trying. He was trying to stab them. He was trying to stab himself. And they had to punch him five times to get him to comply and drop the weapon. And then he was put in handcuffs and taken to the hospital to be evaluated. And uh, his his weapon was a piece of broken glass. I, I would love to know how he didn't cut his hand up. Did he tape the end of it? If he taped the end of the piece of broken glass, that's premeditation. Okay. You know, if he gets out there and punches a piece of glass and grabs a six-inch piece and says, now I'm going to go stab some people. Okay, you might be in the middle of a mental health thing. But if you tape it, if you have the forethought to tape it, well, that's a different story altogether. He is now charged with three counts of attempted murder and resisting arrest with a deadly weapon. If you, as a armed citizen, were to see this occurring, I will tell you what I would do in this event. Weapons coming out and me and whoever's with me, we're trying to back away from this guy, get out of his line of sight and uh, hope that he doesn't do anything else. I'm not going to draw down on him and start yelling at him to put down the weapon. Because this guy was facing cops and he was going at him. And then... They tased him, and just like he said, it didn't affect him. And this is the shortcoming of non-lethal. Non-lethal um, non is uh, iffy. Pepper spray, tasers, it, it's iffy. And uh, I, I'm really interested to find out what Mr. Burris' problem was. Was he having a mental health issue? Was he, having a, uh, was he, a, was he on drugs or something? Something was amiss with young Mr. Burris, without a doubt. Something was amiss. His race, it doesn't matter. His race doesn't matter. Something was amiss with him. Something was amiss. And, but like I said, the cops, you guys, wow, you guys, fair accounting of yourselves. A lot of restraint on that one. But having said that, given the fact, listen, if, if you tase somebody and he, he stays upright and tries to run away, <laughs> Well, uh, th this is why I'm, I'm making the switch to 10 millimeter. Yeah, making that switch. And um, on the one hand, I'm not surprised that this kind of crime has made it here. And on the other hand, I'm really sad that this kind of crime has made it here. And uh, we need to be supportive of law enforcement as they go about trying to deal with this. Because... They still see what goes on in the world. You know, they, and, and according to uh, the sheriff and the, and the police chief, they don't have all the police officers they'd like to have. And there's some of you that might, might not like law enforcement in, in Greenville or uh, wherever you're at. And if you don't, just remember this now about law enforcement. There's only one of them for every 20,000 of us. So, they're outmanned from day one. They're outmanned from day one. I understand this. I get it. 
I mean, there's some places where you can call 911 and nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. The Ferguson effect is in full, full swing in those jurisdictions. Haven't happened here. I got people saying rubber bullets and bean bags and all this other stuff. I, I guess it really comes down to what, how they're equipped. I, I think a lot of guys have deferred to the uh, taser because it's small and uh, it's it's easy to carry and everybody can carry one. And, you know, carrying a, a shotgun with a bean bag that's pretty pretty big. And rubber bullets means that you got to do a special loading or have some you know something's got to be loaded with that in order to to fire that. With a taser, it's you know it's about the size of a you know a very small gun. You can just stick it right there. Apparently, don't weigh nothing, so that's easy for them to carry. They carry a lot of stuff anyway. That's easy, and I think that's why they all defer to the taser. Um, but given all that, I'm being asked if five points, five point seven, is it viable for defense? Listen, no. If anybody points anything at me, I'm just whatever they want. I'm doing. I I know nothing about five point seven as far as it being a defensive round and any. I don't know of any evidence or case use where it's actually been used. Um, I do know what a 10 millimeter does to a bear. And if I can stop a bear, anything below it should be, you know, easier. So that's why I'm going that way. We're going to see more and more of this. Even here. We're going to see more and more of this. And this should not be cause for alarm for you. Because all you got to do is be aware of your surroundings. And if it does start to unfold, just step back. Unless you're being specifically targeted, the likelihood of it being you is fairly low. But being prepared in case it is you is on you. So unless you're some, you know, if, if uh, guns aren't your cup of tea, maybe learn some stick fighting or, I don't know, learn some, uh, you know, some, some martial art or something, some, some jiu-jitsu, something. Something to give you a, a moment, because whatever it is that you learn, just remember that if you have to get in contact with them, now you're fighting by their rules. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, I, I saw that report when I heard that he had been tased. Uh, whenever tasers, I have never been tased. I've seen lots of people be tased, lots of young people be tased. And normally what it does to you is just basically incapacitate you. And I see a lot of people, even with the, under the adrenaline dump, getting popped with that and they just go down like a sack of potatoes. But sometimes it don't work. And, you know, when you're trying to tase somebody, it's all about these barbs getting through your clothing and into your skin and conducting that electricity. If the barbs don't penetrate your clothing, that's a, that's one of those uh, variables that you got to take into effect if you're going to deploy that, because sometimes you might not have time to deploy the second to go to something lethal. So you know, I just saw that. I found that really interesting, really interesting. Chicago, because they don't know how to spend money and they don't know how to run a city. They've just they've come up with the with the with the, uh, with the perfect perfect solution. They're going to sue big oil. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
And the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Last year, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson sued Hyundai and Kia because they made vehicles that were too easy to steal. Now he set his sights on the big oil, claiming that British Petroleum and Chevron and ConocoPhillips and ExxonMobil and Phillips 66 Shell and the American Petroleum Institute deceived Chicago consumers about the climate dangers associated with their products. And of course, this is a chance to pontificate. There's no justice without accountability. From the unprecedented poor air quality that we experienced last summer to the basement floodings that our residents on the west side experienced, the consequences of this crisis are severe, as are the costs of surviving them. That's why we are seeking to hold these defendants accountable. Which, you know, whenever I go buy a tank of gas, there's no warning label on it that says, you know, our product, use of our product may, may flood your basement. Because I, I kind of think that's probably already been established, you know. I, I think what use of petroleum products does probably has already been established. And uh, once again, just like any other big city out there, right now in New York, as with what they've done to Trump, they are essentially going to, New York's not going to get any bigger. There's not going to be any more new buildings in New York. Because nobody's going to do business in New York now. They're not. Now, if Chicago, if, if Illinois gets out there, if, if the oil companies were to look at this and say, we have to defend ourselves against what? What would, <laughs> what would happen if Illinois got cut out of the loop as far as being able to use petroleum products? Because my first thought would be, And, and I take this from, you know, one of the most... Uh, does anybody remember that, remember that TV show called Hee Haw? Where they would have this doctor on there that would say, does it hurt when you do that? Well, don't do that. Yeah. So if, uh, if using... <laughs> I mean, it's right out of a movie. So I guess Chicago is so big that they have... They have encapsulated within themselves bad air quality, basement floodings. And it's all because of, of oil. All because of oil. And uh, so they have, uh, they're, they're facing charges of failure to warn, negligence, public nuisance, civil conspiracy, unjust enrichment, and violations of Chicago's municipal codes concerning consumer fraud and misrepresentations in connection with sale or advertisement of merchandise. I would just pull out. I would close every gas station. Every gas station. I would close every fuel outlet. I would close everything. I would close every natural gas out. Sorry, sorry, Chicago. You elected this idiot mayor. And, and this is the problem. See, we sit back and we look at this from afar. And thankfully, we can look at this from in a third-person view and say, what an idiot. But in Chicago, they're like, oh, I love me some Brandon. So, 
I guess somebody's got to pay. I, I guess somebody has to suffer for this. Now, there is one little thing here, and I, I suspect this is the same way with New York. Chicago is facing a $540 million budget, budget shortfall in 2024. In New York, right, where uh, they're, they're trying to get $450 million out of Donald Trump, they're giving debit cards to the, to the immigrants, the illegal migrants, the illegal aliens for $10,000 a month. Who thinks the Venezuelan gangs aren't going to get a hold of that stuff and get in on some of that action? And listen, $10,000 a month doesn't cut it in New York City. That's the sad thing about it, but it's still $10,000. They, you know, Chicago's a sanctuary city. They got they got the illegal immigrant thing in there happening too. Uh, Mayor Johnson's been out with his hat in his hand, begging for funds from Cook County, the state of Illinois, the feds, whoever he can find. They're also, of course, playing the race card on this one. Angela Tavor, the chief sustainability officer and commissioner of the Chicago Department of Environment, argues that the lived experience of our residents tell us that the climate crisis disproportionately impacts under-resourced communities and exacerbates racial inequity. That's fascinating. How how on earth did this happen, Miss Tavor? Oh yeah, you brought zero evidence. You have no data. But you know what? What we're setting up here is if we oppose this, uh, you know, if somebody opposes this stupid lawsuit, then we don't care about racial inequity. And. The lawsuit itself will intensify racial inequality and will further deplete the city's underserved communities. Because, like I said, the fossil fuel companies are not going to invest in a city where they're being tarred and feathered and accused of causing the end of the world. That's just not going to happen. I wouldn't do it. If they decided to close shop in the Windy City, how would that impact the millions of Chicagoans who rely on the oil and natural gas delivered by those very companies on a daily basis? The winters in Chicago are brutal. If you lose all that, is it going to make your life better? Is it going to lift you from poverty? Would it make any difference in the worldwide weather patterns that inevitably affect Chicago? And it all has one commonality, which is the answer, which is no. And ironically, the stupid lawsuit will most likely result in Johnson's constituents having less access to affordable, abundant, and reliable energy that they want, that they need. And if they were to declare Chicago a no-go zone on the future due to their concerns of potential litigation, they just cease. Life in Chicago as we know it would grind to a halt because there's not enough green energy to power a metropolis the size of Chicago. Although it would be a great experiment to watch. I would love to watch them go completely 100% renewable. But the cost of living in the city would shoot to the moon if solar and wind were the principal sources of energy. But maybe they could, instead of trying to squeeze the companies that your city relies on to function, maybe you should go after the street criminals who actually make Chicago unsafe, unlivable, and uninviting, and not worry about what's happening in the basements due to something that you can't prove actually happens. Some things you can't stop. Act to God, that kind of thing. I, I, I determined that Donald Trump is actually guilty of one thing. I found the one thing he is guilty of guilty of that when we get back this is news talk 98.9 w-o-r-d
Donald Trump is guilty of something. Because we all are, right? The carpro.com talk line is uh, 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. He's guilty of being Donald Trump. And let me point something out to you about Donald Trump. This is one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. You know, Malcolm X and Louis Farrakhan look at the white leftist as a thief and a liar. And Farrakhan, for all the things I look at Farrakhan, and I see a lot of things when I see Louis Farrakhan, but I listened to him the other day, and he says that Trump is an anomaly because he is real. Now, Labyrinthi Beria once famously said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. And the Democrats have seen Trump for four years and they didn't like it. We had energy independence, historically low unemployment, almost zero inflation, a strong economy. We had contentment. Who wants that? Apparently not the Democrats. They prefer to keep a corrupt, senile, mummified meat puppet in the White House by any means necessary. And that means a never-ending onslaught of lawfare. And now Donald Trump's probably going to have to sell a building or two just to uh, get out there and, uh, you know, be able to do his, uh, his, uh, his appeal. Now, we got Judge Lewis Kaplan, $88.3 million. Actually, that should be a $6 million award if it doesn't get reversed and it's never going to stand up. So, yeah, very transparent. Somehow we got a woman who's out there planning to go shopping after this and go and go buy Rachel Maddow some shoes uh, with her $83 million. But this is a, it's a bad joke and it's gone on for too long. And she doesn't even remember. She was wearing a dress that didn't exist at a place that didn't happen in a year she doesn't remember. You know. Arthur Angeren. Well, there's some other things that have come out about him, uh, you know, that will, that will tell itself. $453.5 million to be paid to the state of New York. For a crime where there was no fraud done. There was no fraud. The people that the people that they said that he defrauded want to do business with him again because they never they got paid back. So um, now Hochul, of course, is finding it quite difficult to convince other people doing business that this only happened to Trump because he's Trump. Right? That's his crime. He's Trump. And he should win that case as well. And the way they've set this up, the way they've, they've set things up, if the Supreme Court gets a hold of this, and I don't know how they would, maybe this is something that could be take, taken straight to them. Uh, th this is uh, the way they've set this up. This is a real big gotcha. Then you've got Washington, D.C. and Florida, Judge Tanya Chutkin and Judge Eileen Cannon. And uh, this, is all, this is all Jack Smith, and um, Jack Smith is now being held up. He's being held up, and we won't hear anything about this. Um coming forward and it's all it, this is about the documents the documents and biden of course right now in real time we're looking at biden biden had so much stuff uh that he had no no right to have he had no there was no as a senator or vice president he didn't have the power to have it and yet he did and that's all very glaring and jack smith's going to have to figure out that optic but thankfully for him it's going to be slowed down for a bit and then there's scott mcafee in georgia he just watched D.A. Fannie Willis confess to adultery, paying her lover with taxpayer dollars, and embezzlement. 
They also testified that she committed perjury and sworn affidavits for her lover's divorce case. And McAfee is going to have no choice but to disqualify Willis and Way Ward from further participation in this. And that doesn't end it, of course, but it ought to delay it. And they, they protested every national election they've lost since Reagan beat Mondale in 1984. So, yeah, that's Trump's, that's Trump's biggest problem is that he's Trump. And Trump's not afraid of him. Trump is willing to swamp blows with him. They don't like that. That scares them. That scares them. When you voted for Trump, when you elected Trump in 2016, that scared them. So, that's it. That's all he's, he's accused of existing. <laughs> and in that, we find him guilty. It's a, it's a bunch of nonsense. It is an absolute bunch of nonsense that's going on with this. And it's election interference. And, I mean, Hochul gave it away. This is not about Trump having done anything bad. This is about finding him guilty. Like most people that have a lot of money, he doesn't have a lot of cash. So this $450 million thing, uh, that's, that's what... Uh, you know, they're going after all of his cash to try to uh, hamstring his legal defense. Except I don't think that's going to be a a thing they're going to be able to push very long. I think that this is all going to blow up in everybody's face. In every one of these cases, it's all going to blow up. It's all going to blow up. Jack Smith is, you know, Jack Smith has got the, the double standard he's got to work against. Fannie Willis is, you know, whatever. Tisha James and Engerin. They teamed up to to get a put a gotcha together. They didn't even have they didn't even allow a jury trial. So anyway, when we get back, we're going to talk about climate change and the resident because he keeps pushing it. He's doubling down on it. As everybody else falls apart with it, he's still pushing it, which just tells me that he's looking for the soft serve machine. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 